helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. times when the collision of two stories create an idea greater than the sum of their parts. Now you may be wondering what the war in Ukraine and the Second Amendment have in common. I believe the synthesis of these two stories leads to a truth the American people need now more than ever. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution the teacher rising generation be free. I am so glad you could join me today. You know, again, I have one of those moments. Uh, I know I know the pastor at our church loves it when I have them before a sermon, but I had one of those moments that, um, an epiphany, I guess you would call it. See, I was reading an article by uh, T.J. Martell out of the, at the Tenth Amendment Center entitled, Is the Second Amendment Anachronistic? Now, this article reviewed an article by Tom Fowdy that was entitled The Anachronism of the Second Amendment. And again, it did a pretty good job. It kind of went the way you would expect. Now, about that same time, I was listening to a report on the efforts to supply weapons to Ukraine to help them fight their war against Russia. And, and in what I can only call a fusion as bright as the sun, I not only saw the truth behind both stories, but that those stories, what those stories could create when put together, could literally define the future of the United States as the land of the free. Now you may be saying, what does Ukraine and the Second Amendment have in common? Well, let's start, let's start with the constituent parts. Let's start, well, kind of where I started. The article, Is the Second Amendment Anachronistic? Now, Again, from the uh, this is actually from Tom Fowdy's article being quoted. We read, In the modern era, the proliferation of firearms is incompatible with human life and has led to mass shootings time and time again in the United States. Nowadays, the prevalence of firearms allows an aggravated individual to pick up a gun, usually an automatic weapon, and unleash his anger and malice on the world by indiscriminately murder, uh, murdering scores of innocent people. These shootings have become so frequent, they are accepted as part of everyday life. Ultimately, such a culture of mass shootings shows the inability of the United of the U.S. government to secure the welfare, best interests, and security of its own people, which subsequently pours scorn on its claim to be a defender and champion of human rights throughout the world. After all, what is liberty if liberty cannot secure your right not to be shot by another? And what are human rights if they cannot provide a right to avoid being indiscriminately shot by mass shooters? And as I said, uh, Mr. Martinell, he did a good job. He pointed out many of the fallacies in Mr. Fowdy's argument. Individuals cannot simply pick up an automatic weapon. They require special permits, special licensing, special taxes to even possess, to much less get a chance to, to purchase a, an automatic uh, uh, firearm. It requires background checks, and in some states, you, you can't even legally uh, own these firearms. Now, yes, highly publicized shooting almost always involve semi-automatic weapons, um, not fully automatic, and, and sometimes it's a rifle, sometimes more, more shootings are committed by firearms. 
And yes, some mass shootings, depending on, on how you define them, do not involve rifles, but others are involving gang violence. And, and they get lumped in with mass shootings as if uh, two gangs squaring off and, and basically at war with each other is equivalent to a, a deranged person entering a school or a, a theater and simply shooting up the place. Now, he point, Mr. Martinelli also points out that more people are killed each year by blunt armed objects like hammers, well, then they're killed by rifles. But that's a fact that often goes uh, unstated. But um, to me, the, one of the m- most important points is the, the fact that never is mentioned the number of times someone's life is saved by a lot of abiding citizen having a firearm. I've heard all of these arguments. I made all of these arguments. I saw that, and that seed just kind of sat there waiting, waiting for something to trigger it. As I said, I'm listening. I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's that's one of the places I get my news. I get it. I have you know news feeds that I read, but I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. In fact, I don't have time to listen to all the podcasts I'd like to. But I was listening to one, and they were talking about the the latest attempt to get weapons to you know, to um, to Ukraine. And, you know, they talk about the first. Uh, I think it was the first Abrams tank that actually sh- showed up in Ukraine, and and. As I said, it was like a, a a flash of blinding light. I saw something that hadn't been in the Tenth Amendment article, and and it wasn't even mentioned in the in the story about Ukraine. But you have to remember, I grew up around firearms from the my young some of my youngest memories are had firearms. My father teaching me how to shoot. On a little a little Remington single shot twenty two long rifle, going out and and helping my father as he help quote unquote helping my father as he sighted in his deer rifle, having guns around the house was just it was normal. Everybody did it, and I, of course I, I I've used I've not only heard but I've used all of the quotes or at least everyone I've found from the founding uh, founding era. You know, Patrick Henry, the great object is that every man be armed and everyone who is able may have a gun. George Washington, the very atmosphere of firearms anywhere and everywhere restrains and interferes, uh, I'm sorry, restrains evil interference. Richard Henry Lee, to preserve liberty is essential that the whole body of people always possess arms. And on and on and on. So what was that blinding flash? What was the thing that I saw that was triggered by the story in the 10th Amendment and set ablaze by the story in Ukraine? Well, let me go back to the, the quote from the 10th Amendment Center of the article by, uh, by Mr. Foudy. See, in there he said, ultimately... Such a culture of mass shootings shows the inability of the U.S. government to secure the welfare, best interest, and security of its own people. I want you to stop just a second. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say that again, but I want you to listen very closely to what he's saying. Ultimately, such a culture of mass shootings shows the inability of the U.S. government to secure the welfare, best interest, and security of its own people. Do you hear do you hear the words in there? Do, do you hear what he's saying? He's saying the people 
should be dependent on the government to provide their welfare, determine their best interests, provide for their security. It's the same argument that says, why do you need guns? We have police. It is the, it is the story. It is the agenda of servitude. It is the dependence on government to provide whatever it is you need, whatever you find as important. Listen to the rest of it. This, this is a little later, in, uh, a sentence or so later. Mr. Foudy wrote, After all, what is liberty if this liberty cannot secure your right not to be shot by another? And what are human rights if they cannot provide a right to avoid being indiscriminately shot by mass shooters? See, to Mr. Foudy, liberty, liberty means not having to suffer the consequences of others' decisions. That somehow you are, uh, that, that there's a bubble around you that only you can allow things to happen. And that bubble must be protected by government. If it means I must infringe on the rights of others, well, that's no big deal. If it means I can infringe on the liberty of others so that I can live the liberty I want, so be it. How do you avoid being indiscriminately shot by mass shooters? Don't go where mass shooters are. Where are mass shooters? Well, first of all, they're out, they tend to be outside. I mean, not in your home. They tend to be in, in public property. Uh, most of that public property, by the way, are, are areas where they're called gun-free zones. It's a euphemism. There's no such thing as a gun-free zone. But it's areas where lawful, law-abiding citizens are not allowed to carry firearms. And again, I've made those arguments, and, and I don't want to get too caught up in those. But I want you to see what, you, what I saw with Mr. Foudy, that government is responsible to take care of you, to provide for you, to make sure that nothing bad ever happens to you is the responsibility of the government of the United States. Say, Paul, what does this have to do with Ukraine? Ukraine is fighting for its life. It's fighting not to be overrun by a bully with guns. And Ukraine is dependent in large part on the government of the United States to provide the tools that it needs to defend itself against the aggressor against it. And how are they doing? Forget the, the billions of dollars we've sent to them. Forget the money. How is Ukraine doing? If every so often they have to come begging to the United States, please give us more guns, please give us more ammo, please give us more weapon systems so that we can defend ourselves against our aggressor. And their ability to defend themselves is, de is controlled in large part by the political whims of the government of the United States. As long as the, the politicians think they get political advantage supporting Ukraine, they send money in arms. As soon as the political winds change, well, now Ukraine doesn't get as many arms. It takes longer to get resupplied because they've become dependent on another government for their own survival. And then, just to add a little seasoning to this stew, we have the October 7th attack by Hamas on Israel. Now, we, I'm not gonna, there's a lot of areas where, where you know, I'm, 
not related to this, but I want you to think of the number when 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 Hamas entered the kibbutzes, when the Hamas, um, when they entered people's homes, rape, murder, destroy, take hostages. See, Israel had had some some what I consider interesting gun control laws. Uh, adults are only allowed to own one firearm. And if I'm correct, each individual is only allowed to own 50 rounds of ammunition at a time. Meaning if you want to buy another box of 50 rounds of ammunition, you have to shoot the box of 50 rounds of ammunition you've already got. Which again makes me think, how many of those homes that were invaded by Hamas were unarmed? Nobody there had a gun. Nobody there had any, nobody there had a method of defending themselves because they were dependent on the Israeli government for their lives. The very defense of their lives. And I remembered a story. There was one home. And and the the the, the husband and wife both each had their own weapon. And again, when I say arm, either one pistol or one rifle, I don't remember what they had, but each one had one weapon and each one had 50 rounds of ammunition. And they put the kids in the back room and they took up position by the front door. And as the Hamas terrorists attacked, this mother and father defended their children with the weapons they had until the ammunition ran out and mother and father were killed. Thankfully, the children were rescued. The parents gave their lives to protect their children, but their ability to protect their children was limited by a government that said, you're only allowed one weapon, you're only allowed 50 rounds of ammunition because, what, we're afraid you're going to go on a killing spree. Forgetting the fact that the vast majority of people don't. And I mean vast. It is a fraction of a percent that actually go on these mass shootings. But they were dependent on their government to protect them. And when their government failed to do so, they paid the price. Their children paid the price. Do you see what I'm talking about? Gun control. Whatever wonderful ideas they talk about ultimately make people dependent on government for their own safety. Mr. Mr. Fowler, uh, Mr. Fowler says, uh, uh, what is liberty if you cannot secure your right not to be shot by another? What if I were to secure that right for myself? He said, what are human rights if it's not to avoid being indiscriminately shot by a mass shooter, what about my right to defend myself in such a situation? Gun control is servitude. It is dependence on government for when, how, and even if they will come to the aid to defend your life. And when that thought exploded in my head, Understand, I had thought about this before, time and time and time again. But then I realized it was, it was like the, the, the fusion just went off. 
the ability to defend ourselves, the security of a free state are depend is dependent on the people keeping and bearing arms to defend themselves against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that no matter how well-intentioned any individual might be, the promotion of gun control to keep guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens, whether you think they're scary or they're too powerful or you, you just don't understand the concept, it's all about servitude. It's about making people dependent on government for their very lives. Mr. Fowler never didn't notice when he wrote this is that his very question about liberty meant he was not living at liberty because he didn't have the the ability or the the he didn't want the legal authority to defend himself. He wanted someone else to do it for him. Listen, I have to take a break. I could use I could use a drink of water right now, uh, but you know. It's a crazy time of year, and sometimes you get running around and, and, and you just get end up in a fog. There's so much going on. Now, if you want to boost your short-term focus and your long-term brain power, I suggest you try out Healthy Cells Focus and Recall Vitamins. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, vitamins. Not caffeine, not sugar, not chemicals. Vitamins. You can find all about it at americaoutloud.shop, but I recommend you check them out because there's a code there out loud. You go to, to Healthy Cells website, you put your order together, maybe try some focus and recall or something else. You use the code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud and as a thank you, guess what? They'll give you 25% off your first order. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. 
Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity, unlike other supplements that don't work. Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, I've made a connection between Ukraine and the Second Amendment. Fundamentally, it's the very idea of being dependent on someone else for your own safety, for your own protection. And to me, this is part of a much larger um, dependency syndrome that we have in this country, and in fact, in the West in general, that someone else is responsible for making you comfortable, for how you live your life, for protecting you from evils, for providing what you need. Uh, but uh, to, to me, that 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 is a a more fundamental. But I want to focus today back on the, the um, obviously I want to focus on the, the gun control, Second Amendment, uh, uh, the, the safety protection aspect. So uh, once again, we have uh, members of Congress and, and um, they, there are a lot of people that try to push the, the gun violence as a public health issue. You hear they talk about an epidemic of gun violence uh, uh, as if, um, gun violence spreads by contact. You know, oh, if you if you're a creator of gun violence and you you know you cough on somebody else, suddenly they are a a a committer of gun violence. I mean, it's it's an emotional attempt. It's an attempt to um, stop rational discussion and simply make it an emotional one. Now, is there a growing amount of violence? Well. Different people have different numbers, and I would say violence is an issue, but that violence, if I want to look at it as an epidemic, is has certain foci. In other words, the violence is, is centralized in certain specific areas. Not that there's, you know, if you look at a map, think about that, and you were to identify locations of gun violence, well, you wouldn't be surprised to find that most of them happen in very small geographic areas. That as a percentage of the country as a whole, gun violence is not an issue. It would be like saying, you know what, um, COVID spreads primarily in uh, urban areas. Again, this goes back to the uh, the question that um, Mr. Fowdy was talking about, uh, that uh, you know, firearms are incompatible with urban life. I fundamentally disagree with him, but we do see a lot of things. You know, you put a lot of people in a small area, you, you, these type of, of pathologies are more likely to, to come out. So again, if you have a disease, pick any disease, and you look at the nation as a whole, and you say, listen, this disease seems to be focused in a few certain areas. How about we focus our treatment in those areas? 
Oh, no, sorry. We learned that from COVID. That doesn't work. That even though COVID was only dangerous to a very small demographic, we had to we had to experiment on everybody in order to get the outcome we want. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other problem I have with this, this, this public health um, treatment is there's a little bit of truth, but a lot of lie. What do I mean? We see a lot of people treat the the disease as being the gun. Again, as if touching a firearm, seeing a firearm, even knowing a firearm is in that on the premises, leads you to commit gun violence. That just isn't true. Now, if there's an epidemic, what do we see? We see an epidemic of people that um, that are violent. And they use guns because either because, well, they're readily available, they're effective at exercising their uh, their pathology, or it's just part of our culture. But the problem isn't the gun. There's, I forget the last study I saw, there's well over 100 million people own firearms in this country. What percentage of them are used to commit gun violence? I don't know off the top of my head. I know it's a pretty small number. As I said, I've been a gun over my entire adult life. Been around guns my entire life. I've never shot another human being. I've never even been tempted to shoot another human being. I can't think of a time when I've even considered being tempted to, to shoot another human being. Now, granted, I'm not saying it can't happen. But it would be in response to somebody else's actions. In other words, you know, if, if uh, someone tried to carjack me or break into my house or threaten my family, then I would consider shooting them. But it's, you see, it's a, it's a response. It's the, you know, the, the, the gun is actually the, the protection against the disease. The disease is the desire to hurt someone either because of a mental disturbance or a, just a belief that you have the right to do something that involves hurting somebody else. It is the firearm that generally is the cure of that disease. But that's not how it's treated in many of these. They simply see the presence of a firearm being the disease that causes the problem. Uh, take, for example, this... Um, this recent interchange, uh, this was between, I believe it was Senator Kennedy and uh, Dr. Megan Rainey. She's the dean of Yale's uh, School of Public Health. Let me ask you this. Why do you think that Chicago has become America's largest outdoor shooting range? Do you think it's because of Chicago citizens uh, who have no criminal record, but, but who have a, a, awfully a gun in their home for protection or perhaps for hunting? Or do you think it's because of a finite group of criminals who have rap sheets as long as King Kong's arm? Right, let me stop there for just a second, because I want you to recognize this is this is Senator Kennedy. And notice the way he's asking the question. He starts out with a little bit of showmanship. Um, you know, why has Chicago become the largest outdoor firing range? It's not. But he's he's trying to to um, 
emotionalized, right? He's being a little hyperbolic, but ultimately he comes down to what I think is an interesting question. Is the gun violence in Chicago, is it caused by law-abiding citizens with guns or by criminals? And listen to Dr. Rainey's response. So Mississippi, Louisiana, and Missouri actually have higher firearm death rates. Um, obviously, there's certain... What about Chicago? Now, first off, what's Dr. Draney's response? She doesn't answer the question. She turns to her talking points, not uh, here are facts, talking points. And she says, well, you know, uh, was it Mississippi, Louisiana, and Missouri actually have higher firearm death rates. Oh, I see. You're not going to answer the question. You're now posing a different scenario. You're comparing apples to oranges. See, Mr. Kennedy wasn't talking about firearm death rates. He was talking about violent crime with, with a gun. See, the, death, the firearm death rates include not just homicides, suicides, accidental deaths. These are all part of the firearm death rate. So we start this quote-unquote public health discussion with a bit of um, a sleight of hand, right? He starts with the Chicago uh, of violent crimes. She goes into this other story, but he tries to get her back to Chicago. Certainly. What about Chicago? So I don't live in Chicago. It's not my primary area of research. You don't have an opinion on that? I think there's easy access to firearms compared with, combined with environmental conditions, uh, lack of great education. There have actually been studies showing that when you green vacant lots and repair abandoned buildings in urban neighborhoods, you see decreases in gunshots, in violence, as well as in stress and depression in the neighborhoods around them. You notice that. She says, well, there's easy access to firearms. Okay, if you do a little bit of research, you find out that criminals don't go buying their firearms from gun stores. They generally steal them or get them from other illegal means. But what does she go on? She goes, well, there, there's uh, environmental conditions, a lack of education. Okay. She goes, there actually have been studies showing that when you green vacant lots and repair abandoned buildings in urban neighborhoods, you see decreases in gunshots in violence as well as other as well as in stress and depression in the neighborhoods around them now notice she said nothing about if you decrease the number of guns there are fewer gunshots she says no if you deal with the environmental issues now I, you can get a whole chicken and egg discussion about the 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 greening of lots and the repairing of abandoned buildings but she right there said the issue apparently is not the gun or the gun is not the major factor because if you create a better environment, not only do you decrease gunshots, you decrease stress, you decrease depression. And I have to, and, and, and you know, if, if you simply look at this, you see as a public health issue, we're focusing on the gun when we really should be focusing on the people that are part of this. Let's take a look at somewhere else, another area. Now, I live outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee, the crime rate's terrible. They, they've, they're, they've already broken their annual homicide record. Um, and the U.S. Department of Justice decided they're going to help. Uh, first of all, let's remember the fact that um, dealing with homicides in the city is not a power delegated to the United States. Uh, the Department of Justice has no legal authority to spend taxpayer dollars to do this. But let's look at what they're going to do. 
Right? So what is their plan? What is the plan to deal with violent crime in these neighborhoods in, in Memphis? Well, the, the DOJ is going to give them access to prosecutors from the violent crime and racketeering section. These are the nation's foremost experts in charging federal racketeering crimes. I thought they were dealing with, um, with, with violent crime. These are RICO experts. Where's the violent crime? They're also going to get dedicated investigative agents, analysis, and forensic experts from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, uh, the FBI, and the U.S. Marshal Service, and uh, um, the help for all the for the help of the Memphis Police Department. Let's forget the fact that uh, neither ATF or FBI have any, or the U.S. Marshals for that matter, have jurisdiction for local crimes in the city of Memphis. So we're just going to, we'll just ignore that for now. Uh, but listen to this. It said, through data-driven, targeted, and focused enforcement against the worst of the worst violent criminals and organized groups, coupled with a strong focus on crime prevention, intervention, and reentry, I believe all of us working together can make an incredible difference and secure a safer future for all of Memphis. Bingo! Yeah, when I worked in corporate America, we used to have this thing called buzzword bingo. You, you get a bunch of the buzzwords we heard in all the different meetings, and uh, you, you you play bingo with them. You know, if somebody gave you a buzzword, you'd mark it off, and if you got five in a row, voila, you got bingo. That's what we've got. This is buzzword jargon. All right, data-driven, targeted enforcement. You need the uh, the FBI to do that? The, the, the data's not available already at the police department? They keep saying they're going to focus on the worst of the worst, but yet we still keep getting reports of not and again not just in Memphis but also in Memphis of uh, violent criminals being released with little or no bail, uh, being given uh, deals with extremely short uh, uh, sentences, often not even including jail time, but being released on probation. Um, this is doing a lot of the same thing. How is this going to make life better? See, it, if they're talking about enforcement, you really have to enforce the laws. That includes punishing those that are convicted of the laws, which may be a lot of the problem. I don't know. I don't live in Memphis. It's what I've learned from other stories and reports I've heard about Memphis. But we're still talking about the, the federal government being considered responsible for the safety of the citizens of Memphis. But they're doing nothing about the uh, the not just the number of violent criminals, but the fact that they've been soft on punishing many of those criminals. In other words, Memphis has not dealt with the problem. Um, they've basically tried to look good, and now the federal government's going to come in and and try to make them look better. Will there be a short term decrease in homicides? Possibly. Will this be a long-term fix to the problems in Memphis? Probably not. Because many of the problems in Memphis are not, uh, are not being dealt with. That is, the uh, unwillingness to punish criminals for the crime they committed. The, the, the being more interested in getting a conviction on something than actually seeking justice. Justice for the and, and seeking justice for the criminal rather than also seeking justice for the victims. That's the problem. 
and, and throwing more federal resources at it isn't going to fix the problem because the problem isn't money. The problem's attitudes. And I'll tell you what, if you live in Memphis, you know the best way to help avoid joining that homicide record is having a tool that will best defend yourself against those violent criminals. That tool, more often than not, is a firearm. May also be pepper spray or a taser or something else based on your skill level and your willingness to to employ it. But if you you search for your own, if you provide your own defense, then you won't be as susceptible to the whims of well, we're going to send uh, we're going to send you this, this these Rico teams now. What happens later? Do you really want the protection of your life dependent on the decision of some bureaucrat in Washington? Now, I have to take another break. Before I go, though, you know, I mentioned getting news. I go to AmericaOutloud.news every day for news and information. I suggest you do too. But I'm going to ask you to do something. Find a podcast, find a story, find an article or a video that says something important and share it. I'm not concerned how far you share it. Tell friends and family, post it on social media, whatever. But by sharing this information, by helping other people to see the truth of what is going on, maybe having their own epiphanies, we're working not just to educate our neighbors, but to secure the blessings of liberty. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today, my synthesis of Ukraine and the Second Amendment and this dependence on the federal government to protect you, to deny you the right to protect yourself and to protect and to expect them to protect you instead of doing it yourself. Um, 
And we, we've talked a bit about, you know, I talked a lot about how I got here and how these, the, this, these two stories about um, the, 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 about, you know, it is the Second Amendment doesn't matter anymore, and Ukraine came together. They're both involved dependents. I've got a couple stories here I want to get to about, well, the courts, the Supreme Court. Because again, I find these interesting um, in, in the question of dependence on others to protect us. So, for example, on November 27th, the court uh, uh, heard a case uh, uh, challenging the Armed Career Criminal Act. This is a 1984 law that was created, um, well, claiming there's, there was a large, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a, a small number of people who create a disproportionate number of the crimes. And of course, the federal government had to come in and meddle. I say meddle because, again, murder is not a power, dealing with murder is not a power delegated to the United States. That's a state issue. Along comes the federal government. We know better than everybody else. And they come up with this. Armed Career Criminal Act, which basically says um, it's it's known colloquially as a three strike rule. So if you've been um, uh, convicted uh, three times for a, a serious drug offense or a violent felony, um, and you have possess you are guilty of possessing a firearm, well, yet there was a fifteen year minimum sentence. Well, of course, there's lots of problems with it, and and uh, because, I mean, it may sound like a good idea, but uh, define a serious drug offense, all right? But you got violent. But, but again, the federal government does not have the legal authority. Therefore, since this this act was not uh, uh, was not enacting a power delegated to the United States by the Constitution, Congress had not. It was neither. Uh, uh, necessary nor proper for Congress to pass this law. And since this law is made contrary to the Constitution, it is therefore void. But we all live as if it's true. But I want you to think about this. Now, it's not the state that determines punishments for serious crimes. Now the federal government says, nope, we are going to overrule the state and make it up for ourselves. Now, you may like the the three-strike rule. You may think it's a great rule. But what happens when the federal government comes in and says, we know better than everybody else, including your state, and we're going to create laws that um, uh, uh, th that differ from what your state would want? For example, we see this today um, where look at how many states have legalized uh, the use of marijuana in different contexts. But yet, according to federal law, it is still a crime, I believe a felony, to possess marijuana. Which would mean if you're in a state that's legalized marijuana, but the federal government says it's it's a crime, so you get caught, say, by a DEA with marijuana. Now, not only can you be, be charged in a federal crime for something that's not a federal crime, it's not in the authority of the federal government, but now that can be used to increase your sentence to a minimum of 15 years if you happen to be guilty of other things simply because they said so uh, i'm i'm really kind of curious as to where this goes um as always it's early in the year so i'm gonna you know we're gonna keep an eye on it uh, and see what happens the other court case that i saw is actually an emergency petition to hear a case against illinois 
quote-unquote assault weapons ban. Now, apparently the group that's suing um, sought a, a preliminary injunction. They were denied by a lower court. So they made this emergency application to the Supreme Court to see if they could get the Supreme Court to, um, to hear this case. Uh, now, here's what's interesting. So becoming, coming out of, out of Illinois, that means the emergency application would be handled by Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who back in May denied a petition uh, on a state ban. Actually, I shouldn't say she denied. The court as a whole decided not to take the case. Now we're dealing with an injunction. Uh, and it's, it's going to be curious because, um, again, we're coming down to the state of Illinois says these firearms are not arms because they look scary. I mean, they're basically semi-automatic rifles. They they said with well, these magazines they're they're too large you can't use those and they we want to restrict a person's ability to defend themselves. I mean that may not be their purpose but that's effectively what they're doing. And it keeps reminding me back of Israel and that one family where the the father and mother were defending the family had limited amounts of ammunition because the government said so. Now in Illinois. If you happen to own a weapon that may be very good for home defense, I mean, they they say AR-15s are scary. In many cases, they're they're an excellent weapon for self-defense. But you see, the government says, no, 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 no. You have to be dependent on us to do that. That's that's just too too scary a gun for you to be allowed to handle it. Reminds me of a line from Patrick Henry. Henry, are we at last brought to such a humiliating and debasing degradation that we cannot be trusted with arms for our own defense? In Illinois, that's uh, becoming more and more the case, which is real interesting when you realize that Chicago is Ill in Illinois, and that discussion between uh, you know Senator Kennedy and the doctor about uh, violent crime and and who's causing it and where are the issues. Now, before I go to my next story, my next article, I want to give you a little bit of history. You're probably all familiar with the battles of Lexington and Concord, right? The shot heard around the world. Um, I often quote uh, uh, Captain John Parker, um, stand your ground, don't fire unless fired upon, but if they mean to have war, let it begin here. I always find it interesting that the state in Lexington, because you got to remember, Lexington and Concord were fought primarily over gun ownership. You see, the, the, um, the military governor, the governor of, of Massachusetts, was having a problem with with you know people getting upset with how they're ruling, and he got some advice from from London saying take take away their guns. If they have no guns, they can't set up against you. So he dispatched a a company or a group or I don't know how large it was to go to Lexington and Concord to uh, take over their the powder houses there and to confiscate all the gunpowder, effectively take away all the ammunition. That's where the that that march that was there. That was the impetus for the battles of Lexington and Concord. It was the citizens, the militia, the Minutemen, the Massachusetts militia, standing up to this attempt by the by the British government to take away their private guns, their their, their ownership of private arms to defend themselves. Well, that kicked off the fighting war for independence. Now. Apparently, there is a town in Michigan 
in Muskegon County that has declared itself a Second Amendment sanctuary and created a what they call it an, uh, an inclusive militia in hopes of protecting citizens' rights from Governor Whitmer's gun control laws. I find this very interesting for, for a couple of reasons, right? So the, the, the Second Amendment reads, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A lot of people fun, you know, focus on the, that well-regulated, and they, when they think of the militia, they think of the National Guard, which is, according to federal law, the organized militia, which is questionable about its being the militia, but that's, you know, it certainly is a militia. But understand, the, the, a well-regulated militia is necessary to the security of a free state. So here you have a town that says, fine, we'll use that militia so that our state, or at least our town, our county, will remain free, will remain secure from the tyranny of an illegal and unconstitutional act by the governor. Now, the Holton Township um, passed a, 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 a motion at a board meeting that, stated the res, that had a resolution that stated the Constitution of the United States is the supreme law of our nation, the Second Amendment of the Constitution states, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and the United States Supreme Court has affirmed that the right of an individual to keep and bear arms as protected on the Second Amendment is incorporated by the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment against states. All right, let me stop there for a second, because this is, a, this is a two truths and a lie. You ever play that game? Two truths and a lie. Uh, truth number one, the Constitution is the supreme law of the state. It supersedes any state law, any state constitution. It, it reads, you know, Second Amendment reads, as we already quoted, quote, uh, quoted this, but guess what? When they say that the United States has confirmed that the right of an individual keeping birth is protected by the Second Amendment because it's incorporated through the Due Process Clause, that's garbage. That's a lie. That's, that is a lie that's been told so often it's believed to be the truth. It's a lie told in law schools over and over and over again. The Second Amendment is incorporated by the states because it's part of the Constitution. It is part of the supreme law of the land. See, there's this myth out there, and it came from a Supreme Court case, by the way. can't remember the name of the case off the top of my head. That said, no, 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 the, the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to the states because, well, we said so. They provide no proof, no evidence. They simply made it up out of whole cloth. So there's two truths and a lie. But again, here you have a town saying, listen, if you're going to infringe on our rights, we're going to defend them. And if it takes us establishing our own militia to do so, then we'll do it. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm waiting to see what happens if someone from the state tries to enforce these illegal gun restrictions on anyone in that town. You see, because it's one thing to simply say, yes, we're going to stand against the, the thing. It's quite another to actually do it. I point you to Kansas. It was 2003. Kansas passed a law making themselves a Second Amendment sanctuary state. Then Governor Brownback had a big announcement where he said, you know, anybody from the federal government that tries to uh, infringe on our citizen settlement rights will be arrested. Worked right up until the point the ATF showed up. You see, there was a guy he, in, in Kansas. Any, uh, a governor, then Governor Brownback said any firearm or accessory that was made in Kansas, sold in Kansas, and remained in Kansas was not subject 
to the Federal National Firearms Act because it never crossed state lines. It never entered interstate commerce. So a guy in Kansas built a suppressor. He sold it to another guy in Kansas who lived in Kansas. It remained in Kansas. And when the ATF came and arrested both of those, Brownback and the rest of the Kansas government folded like a cheap suit. It's one thing to say these things. It's another thing to live them. And it's another thing to act on them. So let me go back to the beginning. This recognition that whether you are a nation that has put your dependence in another government. Remember, Ukraine had nuclear... When the Soviet Union fell, Ukraine had nuclear weapons. They voluntarily gave up those nuclear weapons because the United States said we would protect you. So now they're dependent. Actually, the United States, I think it was all of NATO said they would protect them from Russia if they gave up their nuclear weapons. Now Russia's invaded. And Ukraine is sitting there, debated, uh, indebted, waiting for the United States and, and other governments to come to their aid and protect them. Are you ready to do that with your life? Are you ready, like in, in, in Michigan and Illinois and others, to simply say, um, no, 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 we're going to the, let these governments tell us um, how we'll be allowed to protect ourselves. We're going to wait and sit around and wait for the government to come protect us. The, the, governors, the government has to make sure that, that uh, people aren't shot. Oh, sure, we don't, want, we don't want cops on every street corner, but we want them to protect us to prevent people from getting shot. Gun control is dependency, the same way as Ukraine gave up their right to defend themselves with nuclear weapons and put their future in the hands of, another, of other governments. The American people, we have a right to keep and bear arms. We have a right to defend ourselves from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And by the way, yes, public and private. But so many of us have given that up have turned around and said, no government, you take care of us. We'll have police that'll do this. We'll create a whole federal law enforcement. We'll take multiple overlapping federal law enforcement offices just to try and keep us safe. And in doing so, we forgot the primary issue. See, we often talk about police and fire as being first responders. When it comes to shooting, they're not the first. They're the second. When it comes to crimes and violence, they are the second responders. The first responders are the people that are there. And when you're staring down the barrel of a gun or you're looking into the eyes of a, of a gang of, of angry people, a mob willing to, to assault and, and possibly kill you, if you're waiting for government to come protect you, you have enslaved yourself to that government. Consider that as you read and listen and watch news stories about these, these quote-unquote, gun control. These gun control plans are not about controlling guns. They do nothing to control guns. They control people. And in fact, what they control are the innocent, law-abiding person, willing and able to defend themselves making them subjects of government rather than citizens. 
Now listen, I hope you'll come back and join us for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. You can also listen to the show on podcast. All the episodes go to podcast generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. You can listen on your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Find the episodes, leave us ratings and reviews, especially on Apple. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find the links for everything you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But again, please share this information. Let other people know. Expose other people to the truth of what's going on or just to a different point of view. See, we often talk about enjoying the blessings of liberty. Things like you know, freedom of speech and of the press and the right to keep and bear arms. If you want to share the blessings of liberty, share the news and information people can use to help them defend and assert their rights for themselves.